0: Welcome to the Intentionist Podcast, where we explore the interplay between intuition, spiritual health, and everything in between.
1: I'm your host, Hilary Zwalin, And I'm Amy Schreiber. Our intention is to create a dialogue that inspires you to consciously forge your path with curiosity and compassion for life and its mysteries. Welcome and thanks for joining us today for the first installment of our four-part series on intuition. For this episode, we will be trying to answer the question, what is intuition? And we're going to briefly touch on how it's described in mythology, religion, psychology, biology, and discuss how it fits into our modern lives today. Why should we care about intuition? So Hillary, why don't you start us with the quote? All right. So this is
0: from Shakti Gawain. Uh, there is a universal, intelligent life force that exists within everyone and everything. It resides within each one of us as a deep wisdom and inner knowing. We can access this wonderful source of knowledge and wisdom through our intuition, an inner sense that tells us what feels right and true for us at any given
1: moment. I think She summed it up really well. Yeah. Right. <laughs> nice. And we're done. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> right <the end. laughs> right um so so I think first let's just say why we wanted to start with this topic out of all of them why is this out of anything so important and I think developing intuition which is like the, like in the quote it's your inner teacher your inner wisdom, it's basically developing spiritual and psychological self-sufficiency, meaning you no longer need to look to external authorities for your answers, validation, and self-worth. You can look within. And I think this is the goal of any spiritual practice.
0: Totally. I think, too, um, you know, we, you and I were talking about starting a podcast, just discussing all things spiritual. And... And when we were really kind of reflecting on what direction we wanted to go, this is just kind of the very, this just seems like the best starting place, right? Because this is something Mm -hmm. that we all have within us. It's something that, um, regardless of your religious background, regardless of the type of person you are, we all get these, uh, we all have that inner wisdom and it's something that we can all relate to on some level, but, but there's also a lot of funky programming around that in whatever culture or society that you're in, you know, a lot of times we don't listen to our inner voices or sometimes we're, we're taught through whatever, um, you know, conditioning by our parents to, that we can't make decisions for ourselves. You know, I I mean, we've all met people that, that Mm -hmm. struggle in all different areas. And so anyway, I know for me, Wanting to start with this was just like, if we can just start with a baseline on, on spirituality, let's just start with that personal practice of refining our inner wisdom. It seems like that's like the A at the beginning of the alphabet, you know?
1: Yes, I agree. Say, say more about like self-doubt and then like the societal conditioning that makes this so difficult, but so important sometimes. Okay. So, uh, so I think
0: I, I can look at my own life, but I, you know, you can see this play out with so many different people, right? Depending on, um, a lot of people really struggle, you know, depending on what phase you are in your life. And, and sometimes this is throughout your entire life, wanting to please your parents or your friends or your community. A lot of times we're making decisions about our life's goals, work, uh, relationships, out of what we think other people want us to do and not what we really want to do, or we're not checking in with what's going on really internally. Um, so if you, maybe you were raised by someone who's really controlling and never, uh, and so you never really learned how to make your own decisions because your mom always made them for you or your dad always made them for you. And now you're, you know, a 45 year old woman and you're, you married a controlling man and you don't, you're, you're still don't know how to make your own decisions. Right. That, so these are things mm-hmm. that it's like, for these, for, for everyone, regardless of your circumstance. Um, sometimes it's hard for us or maybe difficult to, to listen to our inner voice at first. So, I mean, I think of my twenties and I think that's like a lot of what our twenties are about kind of deconstructing what our tribal culture, what, you know, what, what religion we were raised in or non-religion, uh, the, what our parents taught us, our upbringing, our socioeconomic outlook, um, mm-hmm. And how how that was growing up, and comparing it to kind of what our personal vision for our life is. I mean, this is kind of the the ultimate struggle of life, right? <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, and it, it takes it takes courage to take responsibility because when everyone's making your decisions for you, it's that's like the easy way. That's the lazy way. Um, right. I mean, and this really hit home for me this morning. Actually, I've. I've struggled often with like really wanting to please people and so kind of finding creative ways to defer my decision-making to other people. And this morning, um, when I woke up, my son was coughing. And so I was at this juncture where I had to decide, okay, am I going to send him to school or am I going to keep him home today? And I wanted so badly just to be like, to ask my husband, what do you think we should do? And just like let him decide for me because... It's just easier that way, you know. But right. I, I really just hit home like how automatic and often I do that. Um, wow. So yeah, I'm by no means an expert in this, and I'm learning right along with with everyone. But yeah, this is this is important. Such stuff. a good
0: illustration, though. I mean, like you said, it's like even having. I mean, these are things that's a, like a very simple day, you know, life situation mm-hmm. that anyone can relate to. Right. I mean, I do that often, too, with my husband, just like, oh, what do you think you do it? You deal with it. Um, um, but even something as simple as that going, no, no, no. Wait, what should I do in this situation? In our wisdom, <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. you know, right.
0: that's great. I love it. How, how life is presents us with those. Yes. Those and little learning opportunities. I oh, did
1: take him okay, to school. Yes, made that decision all
0: by myself. Good for you, mom. Good for <laughs> Thank you. you. <laughs> right. I mean, so um, this kind of thing can really it can segue into you know maybe you're raised by a bunch of doctors and with the expectation that you need to be a, a well educated doctor and maybe you're an artist and you want to be an actor or you want to be a. Um, you know, you want to be a, a sculptor or something. Uh, maybe you were raised by a bunch of hippies and you really long for structure. And you want you you know you you found a, that going to a, a church is 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 just helps you feel super happy. You know, um, maybe you were raised Catholic, but Jewish mysticism is really speaking to you. And, but you're worried about disappointing your parents, right? These are just mm-hmm. this is kind of where I think we all of us in our personal path we have a point in our lives. Where, where, where we, we're learning to trust your inner voice kind of gives you the keys to your personal kingdom, right?
1: Right. Yep. Yeah. Very important. Um, so, how, so
0: how do we navigate our personal path when it's different than our parents'? You know, and how do we set appropriate boundaries while still honoring and loving our parents or our spouses or our community? You know, these are just these are the questions, right?
1: Yeah. Or even our previous selves. I think sometimes we set expectations for ourselves at one point in our lives and then five, ten years go by and those it it no longer fits. But you've already made that decision and committed to that path in a different time. And so allowing yourself the freedom to do what's right for you at each stage of your life because it changes.
0: Right. Totally. Um, And that, that really is like, that's such an empowering way to go about your life, to give yourself the space that, well, of course, what was working for me 10 years ago, maybe that's not the path for my whole entire life. And to not mm -hmm. judge yourself super harshly by that. Um, and just kind of knowing that in whatever season that you're in, we can kind of come at what you're approaching in a loving way.
1: Right. So let's, so let's talk about definitions of intuition. Like when people talk about intuition, what are some like modern, modern ways to describe this? I mean, I think of
0: like the modern colloquialism going with your gut, right. Or, Uh um, if you're going more new agey, it's like connecting with source energy or connecting with inner wisdom. Right. I think we've got a a dictionary definition here. Do you want to share it, Amy?
1: Yeah. So in the dictionary, it said intuition is the ability to understand something immediately without the need for conscious reasoning. So this Mm -hmm. is something you don't have to like reason through logically and convince yourself of it. This is just knowledge and wisdom that's there automatically. Right.
0: That's a really great, simple way of understanding what is intuition. But when you pluck that and you put it into life circumstances, then it gets really cloudy because we have all of this stuff that we bring. Like, I mean, how many times have, have you talked to the friend? And I mean, at this phase in my life, most of my friends are married and I've got kids and it's like, I'm socializing with people at soccer practice. Right. But I mean, Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, how many of your friends were in relationships where it's like they knew that they were dating the wrong person, but they just were like, I don't know what to do because they didn't want to be alone (laughs) or because they, right. Like those are often, I find that a lot of times with relationships, that's when we, we really get clear reads on what we should do, but we don't want the answer. Right. We like, but we love them and we don't want to leave them behind because we don't want to be alone. (laughs) We don't want to be, be a bad person. Right. So, so it's like, Understanding how to kind of peel away um the the wants and the desires and peel away the fear of the unknown by leaving mm-hmm. a situation that may not be the right situation for your life, you know? Um yes. I find oftentimes I mean, I see this in sessions too where you're like, you know what you need to do here, young lady. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: you just yeah, don't want to do it. You know. Yeah, anyway. I always wanna just like yell from the rooftops at people who are, I don't know. I don't know if I should be with him. Like, I don't know means no. Right. Wouldn't you say that's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. But I
0: think even with my own self, right. I mean, I went through Mm -hmm. like 10, 15 years of dating with that as my mantra, just feeling like all I would ever know is I don't know. And you know, and then it, so yes. So eventually, I mean, we could do, we could go on and on about that. So, um, why don't we segue, I know you've got a really cool metaphor that you were going to share about this situation. Yeah.
1: So, so the way that I think about my intuition is, um, you know, the Russian nesting dolls. My mom gave me this Russian nesting doll set for my birthday last year. And I just thought it was so beautiful and so meaningful because I had just been reading a book where she, the, the author was talking about them. Um, and my mom didn't know it. So anyways, so, so you have this Russian nesting doll set and the smallest doll in the center that is not dividable is your pure consciousness. This is your intuition. And when it's surrounded by all the other layers of dolls, that is your normal ego self bound by your beliefs, your life experiences, your biases, the constraints of your five senses. And so, so taking all those outer layers away Leaves you with this inner doll alone and unlimited, and so this so this is your intuition, higher self. Mm-hmm. There's no cultural perspectives. There's nothing blocking it from what is in reality. I don't know if I explained that. And so, well. No,
0: you did. So, so the goal is, so then you've got that little, the goal is to try to get to that little doll that can't be divided. Right. But, yes. but oftentimes we're walking around with five layers of dolls, right. Of the, of the uh-huh. nesting dolls around us that we, that we have to peel away in order to get to that inner wisdom. And that's what we're going right. to be talking about in this series is kind of what exercises you can do. Um, what, um, what kinds of things you can recognize in order to develop your sense to get to that little doll inside of you. That's your purest form, your purest essence.
1: Right. And another thing about that, I think, um, a lot of the yogis describe truth, um, as what is not changing. So anything that is, that is changing is not true and the thing that is constant that's the truth so if Hmm. you think about like the outer dolls those can come apart and change but the inner one is this constant it's this ultimate reality oh i like that
0: i like that that's very cool so you read we both read this actually the the women there's a book called women who run with the wolves by clarissa pinkoli estes and in chapter three there's a russian folktale and i wanted you are really good at explaining this um but it kind of goes to it it, we're going to stick with our russian theme (laughs) the russian doll metaphor and now we're going to talk about a russian a russian folktale yes so anyway
1: um yeah so so vasilisa is this story it's kind of like a pre-Cinderella story I think maybe not maybe not really just I don't the think fact she that talks it's, about
0: like when it originated she didn't give like a time period she just talked about the myth no.
1: yeah the only thing Cinderella like about it is that this young girl Vasilisa has a mother who dies and leaves her with the evil stepmother and stepsisters um but before she dies, this mother gives Vasilisa a little doll that looks just like her, and she said that this is, this is for you to, to help you know what to do. So it's like this little intuition in the form of a doll walking around with Vasilisa. And so mm-hmm. um, she grew up, she cherished this doll, and, and her stepmother and stepsisters mistreated her terribly. And they, um, it was in the middle of the winter, and they ran out of fire. And so they sent Vasilisa into the woods to get some fire from Baba Yaga, the old witch. Well, and, and they wanted
0: to get rid of Vasilisa. They were sick of her, and so they thought...
1: Yes, because they were we jealous of her, her, because she was she was kind and beautiful, and they were jealous.
0: Right. Also an interesting fairy tale theme, right? <laughs> the beauty yes. and the ugliness, you know? That's the part where I'm mm-hmm. always like, oh, okay, let's take this with a grain of salt. But yes, continue.
1: Yes, but that is the story, and... um. So she goes into the woods and arrives at Baba Yaga's house and asks her for fire and Baba Yaga has her do all these different tasks and asks her all these trick questions which Vasilisa is able to accomplish and um, because she asks her doll, she's like, okay, well, what do, I, what do I say? And then she gives the right answer and is not killed. And um, so in the end, Uh, Vasilisa gets the fire, takes it back to the house and the fire, when she brings it in the house, the fire burns her stepmother and stepsisters to death. So that's the happy ending to that story. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But, but it's also
0: like Baba Yaga is, is like the, she is like the wise crone. And in this story, she's Mm -hmm. scary and, um, and And ferocious, but she is, she's also the symbolic nature of kind of that, like inner, that, that power and wisdom and kind of that dancing with the, with the, um, that internal feminine power and kind of harnessing that and, and being able to, to, um, to work with that dark matter in a way that it can be like like you said she's listening to her intuition and so she's navigating the darkness and mm-hmm. able to take what she needs from Baba Yaga which is the fire and right. whatever and and leave the dark and scary things behind um and so i think that was also another element to the story
1: right baba that, yaga so. is the initiator here which i think is the case right. in most fairy tales yeah. the witch always initiates this young princess mm-hmm. into adulted women's her woman
0: state right she yeah. comes from that that maiden yeah. status into that mother um woman state where she becomes more wise and more cunning because she's harnessed her intuition
1: so right i think one of the cool most story. most interesting um task given to vasilisa by baba yaga is baba yaga asks her to sort these things to separate good corn from mildewed corn and poppy seeds from dirt. So these really tedious tasks. And and I think that is symbolic of learning to really discern and see things how they actually are. I think that's like one of the most important functions of our intuition. And this is right. not an easy thing as we've been talking about, because when you can see reality, action is often required. You often feel the need to change your circumstances or your actions and um and that's we when we allow like our deep knowing to come to the front of our mind um the the pain and the injustice that we have been accustomed to and are comfortable with is is less scary to us often than the truth than this unknown right. change that we have to make. Right. And there's a lot well, of- and
0: oftentimes that's where the discomfort is, right? Like as that, as that yes. knowing and that wisdom comes in, then suddenly what was once very comfortable for you is now very uncomfortable. And you know, you have to make a, a shift and you have to change. And that sometimes means, um, like sometimes means literally moving somewhere. It could mean a job change. It could mean a relationship change. It could mean a, a community change you might be changing mm-hmm. your friends or family um and so there's like you said things it kind things get real when you when the dust settles and you start to be able to notice and so i think oft, sometimes people really don't want to know and they love to be kind of in that child archetype of i don't know i don't know what should i do uh you know kind of that right. disempowered i never know the answer i'm not really sure what to do i'm just going to keep giving my power away when when deep down inside that little Russian doll inside of them is like, you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And (laughs) now is the time to push the fear aside and move into trust. And, um, and the way you go that way is by holding fast to that, that intuitive, um, lightning rod of information and that connection to your own personal, um, divine experience. So, um, You have a cool quote that you wrote down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Take more Khan explains that problem so well that people have. And one of the quotes he said about it was, um, people have a hard time letting go of their suffering out of a fear of the unknown. They prefer suffering that is familiar. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think all the themes about darkness that happen in these, in these fairy tales and myths are the darkness doesn't symbolize something bad or evil. It just symbolizes something unknown. And everyone has yes. to step into the unknown to truly grow and like discover things for themselves. I was just reading something that said, like, if you can see the path ahead of you, then it's not your path.
0: <laughs> Interesting. That's yeah, That that's something to contemplate for sure. Yeah, I, I love all of that. I, I completely agree. Um Alan Alda had a quote to, at times you have to leave the city of your comfort and go into the wilderness of your intuition. What you'll discover will be wonderful and what you'll discover is yourself.
1: I like that. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's beautiful. All um, right. So shall
0: we, shall we segue into intuition in religious and historical settings?
1: Yes. Yes. Intuition is Talked about in most religions and most many stories, like this is the still small voice that's talked about in the Bible. I think it's in First Kings, the story of Elijah, where he's listening for for the Lord, and says the Lord is not in the strong wind, earthquake, or fire, but is in the still small voice. Um, yeah, and other other traditions. What is it called, Hillary? There's
0: some other ones oh so like buddha um buddha nature higher self true self uh like it contemporary sometimes we refer to it as like our chimney cricket our conscious, our conscious conscience, conscience mm-hmm. sorry um the light of christ uh in hinduism they p- p- refer to it as your true essence if you're into star wars it would be called the force <laughs> right <laughs> um your divine self and uh in contemporary psychology i've heard it talk about the right brain i um i was reading so this week i it's getting to be closer my kids are were wanting to some halloween books and so i went to the library and and i was looking for some halloween books and i i stumbled across these this mythology section. And in the mythology section, there was a book on ESP and on shamanism. And I was like, surprised to see this in the children's section. I mean, this was like in the children's nonfiction in the, in, in the children's sections at the library. And, um, and so like historically, you know, there's a lot of now contemporarily we've got, we've got like palm readers and, there's there's intuitive readers there's shamanic practitioners there's energy healers there's all kinds of stuff that happens but i'm always like where did this come from like where was this mm-hmm. like how did this evolve and where did it evolve from right we know that there was the new age right and that was kind of um i mean in the 90s it was like all the self help the new age is kind of in the 70s and i would say that there's still a lot of new agey stuff going on you could still consider it new age and then before that you know we had uh, We had the spiritualists and I mean, there's still some of that going on now, but in this ESP stuff, they were this ESP book that I read, they were talking about how in the 1800s there was this resurgence. So, so in the Renaissance, they had, um, magicians and astrologers and, um, sorcery was really big
1: and then, alchemy right?
0: yes yes mm-hmm. and and also so so that was kind of a resurgence in the renaissance that happened and it goes way back i mean thousands of years before the egyptians had all that stuff too um and m- many different empires kind of had different forms the greeks had all of that too but um as you move through to more modern times from the renaissance then there was the enlightenment and that all kind of fell away it was like nope science guys this is all nonsense so that that's done well. Then there was a resurgence in the early 1800s of um, of kind of magic and um, ESP, and people were really interested in in kind of this supernatural phenomenon. This is in the, you know the early 1800s. There was the the Mary Shelley books that were written about Frankenstein, and and anyway, so this was all kind of happening in a historical in the historical context of the Western world was ghost stories were, were becoming more popular in literature and people were, you know, even Abraham Lincoln was said to have, um, that Mary Todd Lincoln was a spiritualist and they would have, um, that they were visitations in the white house. There's some of those stories that you can find that are, that are interesting. Um, and so, so in the early 1900s, they, there were actually scientists that were studying ESP and telepathy. And so, um, so, you know, there's that kind of psychic phenomenon side of things that have. So from there, it's kind of been integrating into more of the that blending the old with the new and spirituality and um, and taking kind of these religious contexts and plucking from them things that are interesting and good and kind of swirling them into this eastern western spiritualist uh mishmash which kind of gets us to where we are today. Um I hope that's a, I hope that that's not a completely confusing like well, that was a good timeline three, 3 minute historical timeline. <laughs> um I going it. off of like yeah, hopefully that's helpful. Um I'm sure that there are certain things that I'm that I'm not getting completely accurate because I'm going off of like memory from all of the stuff I've read in the last three years. But, um, but yeah, so that kind of brings us to where we are. Um, obviously there's been, you know, intuition has been referenced throughout religious history for millennia. Um, Mm -hmm. depending on the religion though, there are very strict kind of confines to what is appropriate intuitive development and what isn't appropriate you know right. um and so and again that religious uh, or that historical synopsis that I just gave doesn't really go into the kind of the pagan uprising and and neo-paganism so there's a whole bunch of stuff there too and I don't want to um discount any of that but like I said this is was a very short brief <laughs> rundown so anyway why don't we move no, into the we- biological context Amy you can take us into that
1: all right, so, so we have two sides of our brain. We have our right hemisphere, which is our spatial, visual, emotional awareness. This is your big picture creative thinking. And then your left hemisphere is your mathematical mind. This is sequential. It deals with language. It's very detailed, oriented. And um, I was reading that your right brain evolved first and is more active during dreaming and your left brain is a little newer and more dominant in your waking life. So I was thinking that maybe when we are referring to our intuition, what we're really doing is trying to access our older, wiser right brain because Hmm. it's so, so connected to the creative tasks and the... People in their dreams get um, intuitive messages, and so in these two, I was um, in these two hemispheres. Like they're actually different modes of consciousness. There are two different consciousnesses, if you um, can imagine. I was, I was just reading. Uh, what was it? Oh, it was a Sam Harris book, *Waking Up*. He gave the example of a split brain study where. A child patient, they used to do this for people with epilepsy. They would cut the corpus callosum, which is the band of fibers that runs between the two hemispheres. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: so they would cut it. Um, So for this kid who had his brain, his corpus callosum cut, they asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up. And so his right brain, which is connected to his left hand, pointed to a race car driver. And then his verbal left brain said he wanted to be a draftsman, which is like a, someone who draws things or architect or something. And so I thought that was so fast. Like these two wow. brains had two different agendas. Hmm. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> I do yeah, know. know. I
0: don't know. We need to get Sam Harris on here to tell us about it.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, that's something to think about. It's like no wonder. No wonder it's so hard to be inside of your own brain like we've got all these we're white are we're wired for the conflict, right?
1: Right. Well, we truly are and it's yeah, it's wild. It blows my mind. This concept was really um heavily discussed too in another book by Gary Lockman. Um, it's called Secret Teachers of the Western World. He talked about the 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 evolution of the right brain and then hmm. the left brain and how it affected societies at large. With regard to their spiritual teachings i wonder like
0: if i wonder what if you looked at like american society if it would be more left brain dominant or right brain dominant you know like if you were I would to say take definitely a left
1: brain do you think i mean i think left-brained people are rewarded financially in our society
0: yeah but i think though, I mean, I, I, agreed to a degree because i think of like the people that are like The wealthiest people in America are like tech entrepreneurs and, you know, largely very creative, big picture thinking people, you know,
1: no, yeah, you're right. So that's both. And there's obviously the foot
0: soldiers, you know, like once you get into that corporate America, there's like more cogs in the wheel, like more specified, like you have the accounting department and the finance department and the marketing department. And so people kind of fit into that and that maybe that's more left brain. I'm not sure. Something no, too. Yeah, I think uh, you're
1: yeah, I think you're right. I think I think the people who are wildly successful, like the real change makers, those are like right brain. Visionaries. Yeah. but we are bred to operate in left brain society. Like to be more
0: of a foot soldier. In
1: school. Yeah. I yes. think that's probably how it goes. Hopefully it's changing. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. We need both for sure.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. There's good, good for both. Okay, psychological context.
1: Yeah, talk, Let's... talk to us about the ego. Like <laughs> this is right.
0: this is a word Not that no is expert. thrown around. Yeah, yes, and it is. It's kind of everywhere. And what does it
1: really mean? Um, yeah. So
0: Sorry. the way that we kind of throw it around in modern times is the ego is kind of like your your bravado it's your negative voice in your head it's your judgment it's like your judgmental voice in your head and it's the thing that we try to transcend kind of in the in the in the new age spirituality place it's like let go of the ego and connect to source energy and bring in love right so that would be the ego that i'm talking about right right
1: yeah i've heard it also described more as um something that's not necessarily negative but just something that's more limited
0: i like that i like that better
1: yes because i feel like
0: i've i think that that is a better interpretation of it but i feel like if i look back at my initial introduction to what the ego was it's Mm -hmm. an it's it's a pejorative term Right. It's like, oh, he's got so much ego. He's such an egomaniac. She's an egomaniac. The ego is not. So it's like that's pejorative. But but if you think of it like I like what I like your perspective, because I think that's really more of what it is, which is it's just a limited way of thinking. It's 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 your limited belief that it's your limited voice in your head that that's telling you you can't go down this path or you shouldn't go down this path. Right.
1: Right. And there is your personality self
0: versus right. your self, Right. And there's also kind of that collective, that collective tribal ego and that consciousness that's, that is kind of in groups. And then there's also that stuff mm-hmm. that's that negative self-talk or that limiting self-talk inside of yourself. So this is something that you can start to examine your awareness during like dreaming, um, So our dreaming self and our waking self are usually not aware of the other. I would say for me, I have had more lucid dreams in the recent, like the last few years than I ever had in my life where I'm dreaming and I'm aware that I'm dreaming and I'm like, Ooh, I should remember this because I'm dreaming. Um, (laughs) whereas before it was always like, Oh, I'm dreaming. And then you wake up and you're like, Oh, that was a dream. Thank heavens. Right. So, Uh um, our ego personality self is kind of the more the left brain and it can become more aware of the unconscious self, that more right brain. So I think that's my, (laughs) I hope that makes makes
1: sense. (laughs) No, yeah, that's an interesting lucid. The concept of lucid dreaming is really interesting illustration of the bridge between the two sides of the brain or between your intuition and your personality.
0: I like that. And how it can meet in in the subconscious or unconscious states.
1: All right. Have you ever read the Malcolm Gladwell book called Blink? The Power of Thinking Without Thinking? I don't know if I have. I know I've read
0: Outliers and another one. I don't know that I've actually read Blink, though. Tell me about
1: it. Blink was fascinating. Um, He talks about split-second instinctual decision-making. So basically intuition. And he said... um, In the book, he said, Our world requires that decisions be sourced and footnoted, and if we say how we feel, we must also be prepared to elaborate on why we feel that way. But we need to respect the fact that it is possible to know without knowing why we know and accept that sometimes we're better off that way. And there can be as much value in the blink of an eye as in months of rational analysis. Mm -hmm. So this is... Everyone, I think, has experienced times where they just knew something without being able to explain Mm -hmm. it. And um, in the book, there's a lot of good examples. I think the first one he gives was a sculpture, and someone, a woman looked at it, and right away she was like, that's a fake. And everyone was like, no, it's real, and this is why, and they did all these studies on it. And eventually, I think it was maybe years later, they realized that, oh, yeah, this actually was a fake. How did you know it? And she said, I don't know. I just did. I could just tell right away. So... Yeah, really.
0: How many Yeah, the, the people have those experiences I think all the time and often we discount them as oh, it's just something, you know, this is just it's nothing. But it's but right. it's something.
1: <laughs> yeah, so learning to trust yourself becomes the main challenge here, right? Right.
0: And I think really, you know, when you think about m- moving into a business setting or moving in like depending on what you're dealing with in your current life, like maybe it's that you need to divorce your spouse, or maybe it's that you need to break up with whoever you're with. Maybe it's that you're, you're feeling the birth of a new uh, job coming or a new career, or you're wanting to start a business and you're just kind of scared to take the leap, but it's these times where you really have to follow, you know, what are these, what are these hunches you're getting? What are the, you know, because once you kind of get into the flow of, and you honor that inner voice and that inner wisdom, you do get more and more and more of it. Right. And I think it's because we clear away our own clutter when we honor our on, when we honor our ourselves and our, and we have integrity in what's going on inside of us. Right. So I wanted to segue this into those moral attitudes uh, around developing intuition.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it is, Acting authentically, acting in line with your values and intuition is going to create optimal situations in your life because it's Mm -hmm. what's authentic for you. And it's those times when you're being most honest with yourself. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And those, um, and I think it's also creating, um, I mean, when you start to tap in and become aware and mindful and you start to create mindfulness practices around your inner wisdom and around your intuition, then you can start to do things with more pure focus and pure and and your intentions for what you want to create, where you, you know, this whole, you've heard in some of this new agey stuff, the, the laws of co-creation, like how you can really co-create your reality. Well, then it can happen because you're actually looking at your life with, with clear eyes and with clear purpose. And so when you start to align with your intentions and like, what I, what do you really want to create? Not what do your parents want you to create? Or what does your spouse want you to create? Or what kind of person are you expected to be in your certain circles or at your job? Then you can, you can start to really manifest what's coming, what what you want to manifest in your life. Right. So that's where we bring intuition into, into, how that works for us today right now.
1: Yeah. It's really stepping in to your power. Right. To, and taking responsibility for your life, for who's in your life, for what you're doing with your minutes in your day. Um, and I think we're, we're going to talk more about this in a later episode, um, as part of this series. Um, but ways, there are a lot of ways to develop your intuition, a lot of activities and meditations you can do. And the point of of all of these things is is to really, like you said before, clear the mental clutter. You're not trying to teach your intuition to be wiser. You're trying to teach yourself to access what's already there. This wisdom is already there. It already exists. And so, so when your mind's quiet and... And your body's relaxed, and you're free of anxiety, and um, not being pulled this uh, this way and that way by your emotions. That's when it's it's easiest to hear the voice of your intuition. Mm. And so that's why meditation becomes so important, right? Um, and anything that trains you to to focus, to be still, to be quiet. And this could be
0: thought of as prayer or just uh, engaging in kind of that. I I think a lot of times I view my meditations as as kind of a dialoguing with the divine, you know, like I'll sit Mm -hmm. in silence and I'll say my prayers in my mind, but then I'll also wait and listen. And that's something I didn't do as much before. I did a lot of just kind of talking and begging and pleading. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Please let this happen for me, whatever. And as I've as I've um, grown and aged and matured, I've I've really seen the value in, in sitting quietly with my inner voice and knowing that the right thing will come when it's supposed to, and the right answer will come when I need it to be there. Amy, do you want to talk about how to, how we develop our intuition just briefly? Cause I know we've got a whole episode, like our next two episodes, we're, we're going to be talking in depth about how You develop your intuition. And I know you talked a little bit about quieting your mind and meditation, but I'd love for you to elaborate.
1: Um, yeah. So I think the easiest way to begin is just set aside moments of each day to close your eyes, take some deep breaths, quiet your mind and, and actively try to listen and observe and accept like what is going on around you at this at this moment, and then, and then you can ask, what is the ideal action that I should take next today? And then just listen for, for the answer. Like you, I, I think we, we know what to do in any given situation. We just mm-hmm. sometimes don't want to, we don't want to do that thing because it's hard or uncomfortable or whatever. But, um, if you really quiet yourself and, and turn off the little chattering distractions that surround us in our modern lives, then then things really start to, to become clear. And pay attention to like any feelings, any hunches, images, words that come to you and throughout the day. And also we mentioned, um, and we'll talk more about it, you can pay attention to your dreams, write them down. And uh, so so practices like that um, anything else
0: you, you covered it. I mean, that's, that's, that's the majority of it. I, I wanted to just share a, a brief experience. Like if we're going to s- talk about, I know we've, we've kind of touched on this, this episode about how intuition can benefit your life, your safety, your relationships, your business. Um, and to know really kind of when it's time to move on in a relationship or in business, you know, this is intuition is usually really strong here. Um, Right before your life starts falling apart, you know, at least in my life, I feel like you sometimes right. get hits and sometimes that can be a little bit scary. But I found that in my life, at least when I've had those feelings of like, oh, boy, a big change is coming, that it's always for my highest and greatest good. It's not I mean, there may be some some tragedy and there may be some deep disappointment and I may have to really deal with with emotions around loss or grief or shifting or changing or whatever that may be. But that at the end of the day, when you honor that inner voice, you're always brought to that place that's for your highest and greatest good. And so there really is no need to fear. I think one of the biggest lessons I learned in intuition happened in my twenties. And this was one where, um, I had had a relationship with someone for a while and he wasn't, it wasn't very healthy and it was isolating. And, and, um, and I started, it was the first time in my life I started having full blown anxiety attacks like all the time. And he would, he would like lie to me about the dumbest things. And I, and I would, and he was probably lying about big stuff too, but I, I thought that I was like a crazy person. And I noticed that, um, and, and, and he, and he was kind of talking about like, look at how crazy you're being with this anxiety and all that. And I, I knew in the back of my mind that, I had never done this with anyone else before and that my body was kind of picking up on the lie and it was triggering Mm -hmm. all this funky anxiety. And it took me such a long time to realize that that was my inner awareness telling me that this person was Mm -hmm. not being truthful or that person wasn't right for me because at the time I really wanted this person to be right for me. I think about that experience often because at this point it's been you know, over a decade and I don't have any hard feelings or anything towards this person anymore. And in fact, I look at that experience as one of my greatest life lessons. I think, my gosh, I, my body was telling me exactly what I needed to do in that moment. And I didn't want to listen to Mm -hmm. it because my head was saying, no, 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 you need to be doing this. So if there's anybody, listening that is in a situation like that, you know, and you're getting those feelings where maybe you're acting out of the ordinary and you're feeling like maybe there's something wrong with me. Like really take a look at what is your inner voice saying to you that is causing a physical manifestation of anxiety or fear or the inability to function because you'll, you know, there's usually a reason behind it. Right.
1: Right. I've been in similar situations and I've found that, (laughs) Looking back, any time where I began to feel like I was literally crazy, it was because I was being crazy by ignoring my intuition, my strong, yes, and strong side. That's a good sense. point, too,
0: because I probably was being crazy, too. Not, you know, there was that. But it wasn't it wasn't who I was, just like you're saying. Right. No,
1: it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was because you were ignoring what you knew like deep, deep down, had you stopped or, or correct me if I'm wrong. Like in my past experiences, in times like that, I was actively trying to busy myself and convince myself of things that were not true in order to avoid the painful, like ending of the relationship, for example.
0: Yes, Um, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. I think that's something that's I hope everyone can relate to on some level, you know, those feelings of like, you know, you know, and those are the matters of the heart are always the hardest you know. It is they are. They're always the hardest because because what it does is then it brings up the fear of will I ever be lovable? Will will I ever mm-hmm. will I always be alone? If I leave this person that I know is not good for me, will I, you know, so there's all those feelings that come up. Um same and it goes for job or career. Like if I leave this job, will I ever yes. be employed again? Will I ever find and And it's really hard to, to know in the moment, because oftentimes, like you said, if you can see the path and maybe it's not the right one, (laughs) like sometimes we have to go into that, we see the path and then the lights are out and we know we have to just walk into the darkness and trust our, Mm -hmm. our inner voice and our inner wisdom to take us through to the other side, you know? So, um, anyway, I just thought it would be good to leave, uh, leave today with, with a little personal experience. Um, Shall we give a little assignment before we head out? Yes,
1: yes. Um, Yeah, so this little assignment, just find an object or an image. It can be physical or imagined to symbolize your intuition. So something that you can think about and say, this is my intuition. It can be the Russian nesting doll. It can be a crystal. It can be a candle flame a seed or whatever, whatever you want. Do you, do you do this, Hillary? Do you imagine your intuition as a physical object?
0: Sometimes I do. I, I feel like, um, it just depends. Like, especially in the beginning, I would do visualizations where I would go kind of up to a safe space in the center of my head. And then I would, I would just be there with kind of my inner wisdom. Um, now it kind of manifests in all different ways, but but yes, I think it's a great way to start, especially if this is a new thing for you that where you're like, I'm interested in this, but I'm not really sure what to do. It's very, it feels very safe when you're just connecting with yourself because I know there can be mm-hmm. a lot of fear in the concept of like, like when I first started meditating, I remember being like, am I going to be like, are there going to be like bad spirits jumping in here? Is this a scary, there was a lot of like scary (laughs) lore from my upbringing and from just like fear around doing something that was foreign to me that made me Mm -hmm. feel scared, even though it was like the most pure, you know, it was just such a pure thing to want to connect with the divine in that way. Um, so, so yes, I, I feel like if, if it's something where you're just getting started, then to visualize a wiser, more, you know, uh, you know, grandmotherly figure of yourself, like your future self or your yeah. higher self, then that, that can be a really great way for people to connect.
1: Yeah. So sit, so choose this, this object or, or image or person and, and visualize it and sit and meditate with it. And and as you're sitting, imagine your limited perspective dropping away and then until you're left with only this that pure essence. So all your fears are just falling away. I kind of like to imagine them dropping into the center of the earth and getting burned up. Oh, I like that. I like the yes. limitations. Use the, and fear.
0: use the magnetic force of the earth to just <laughs> yes. suck it all out of you. Yes. Yeah,
1: And then just listen and record any thoughts or feelings that you have. You can write it down or type it on your computer. Mm -hmm. Um, And really, you can just just
0: sit there for a minute or five minutes or 20. There -hmm. really is no um, time frame. Uh, If you're just new to sitting still, it can be very daunting just to sit for one minute at first. So just breathe and you can do that.
1: Before we part, we'd like to say thanks for listening. And we hope you'll connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We would love to hear from you and appreciate all feedback, shares, and likes.
0: To learn more and subscribe to our newsletter, visit intentionists.com. And no matter where you are or what you're creating, we send you love and invite you to breathe and begin.
1: See you next week.